Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Greetings, and the Lord be with you, Tulare Community Church. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at TCC. It's a joy and a privilege to be able to spend some time with you today. If this is your first time connecting with us, or maybe even your first time connecting with church at all, let me speak on behalf of our entire staff when I say, welcome. We're so glad and honored that you are here. If you have any questions or want to connect at all, please give our office a call or shoot an email their way. They would be delighted to get you connected. As we've begun a new year, so we have begun a new sermon series. This series is around the mission statement that we as a church have discerned God calling us to, embracing our name. As a church, we have been situated in a particular place at a particular time, And we want to live out the gospel in this particular place at this particular time by being about our name, Tulare Community Church. Our city is Tulare, we exist as a community, and we are a branch of the continuation of the most significant institution in the history of the world, the Christian church. That sounds arrogant. Do a quick Google search on why the new year that we recently celebrated is 2021. Now, throughout this series, we're looking at a few different distinctives that will guide the vision and mission of our church this year and moving forward. Last week, Pastor Steve looked at the imperative that Christians are called to contribute more than they consume. And as we continue to embrace our collective calling as Tulare Community Church, we're going to today see what the Bible has to say about the Christian call to multiply rather than to maintain the status quo. We want to be multipliers and not maintainers. Eleven verses from the book of Romans in the New Testament will organize and guide our time together. If you have a Bible near you, I invite you to follow along, and if not, I invite you to listen closely and to listen well to Romans 10, verses 5 to 15. Romans 10, verses 5 to 15, hear now the word of the Lord. It says, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and we say together, thanks be to God. 
It's Romans 10, verses 5 to 15. And if you remember nothing from what this passage has to say to us, remember this. The gospel is offered equally to all, and the gospel makes all equal. Let me say that again. The gospel is offered equally to all, and the gospel makes all equal. Evangelism. Where does that word and topic rank on your favorite Sunday morning topics? Does it rank highly, lowly, somewhere between money and divorce, perhaps? If you're listening to this and don't consider yourself to be a Christian, then this word evangelism, it might bring up some rough memories. Awkward conversations at a bus stop, pregnant pauses at the Thanksgiving table, maybe uh, internally begging for your seatmate on a flight from Fresno to Phoenix to stop talking. If you do not consider yourself a Christian, the word evangelism might make you think of an agenda. A bad taste in your mouth from someone leveraging your relationship to tell you about a guy named Jesus and a God that you have a hard time believing exists. If you are a Christian, maybe the word evangelism brings up similar memories and and similar feelings along with fear and exhaustion and maybe even shame. Fear of how to tell someone that Jesus died for them. Uh, Fear of how to share with someone that you have, indeed, the solution to their heart's greatest longing. Fear of leveraging a a friendship or or being alienated from family members. And maybe the word evangelism makes you feel exhausted. You say, I'm way too tired to tell this guy I'm sharing a waiting room with at my mechanic about my faith. Maybe you say, well, I finally mustered up the courage to talk to my brother-in-law about Jesus, and to be honest, it didn't go so great, so there's absolutely no way that I've got enough energy to do the same with my neighbor. Or maybe all you've ever felt in relationship to evangelism is shame. You listen to a podcast, you read an article online that said you're essentially a bad Christian if you don't use every moment of your life sharing the good news of the gospel. Or maybe you've been led to a belief that you have some kind of quota that you've never really fully hit, if you're honest, that just makes you feel lousy, and you finally had had enough, and you said, well, forget this. Uh, When my wife Claire was in college, she went on a spring break trip with a campus ministry to Chicago. While there, uh, she was supposed to share the gospel with 10 complete strangers on the street, and she found it so stressful that uh, she only ended up being able to strike up one conversation, was so crestfallen when it didn't go well that she ended up leaving the campus ministry thinking that she wasn't good enough to hang. If evangelism freaks you out, please know that you're not alone. If I'm honest, I'm often a lot more comfortable preaching to hundreds of faces about Jesus than I am speaking about Jesus to the one face I'm sitting next to on my flight to Michigan. You throw all of this uneasiness into a pot and, and then you sprinkle on top a, a biblical calling to share the gospel with everyone, different races, different cultures, 
different ethnic backgrounds, uh, socioeconomic statuses, folks from different industries, and evangelism can leave many of us running for the hills. And so if you find yourself eyeing the exits or of your home and, and checking your watch, let me say again, you are not alone. As Paul is writing to the church in Rome in our scripture passage today, even his most reassuring statement when he says the words, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, those words would not have been received with cheers of excitement. This is Rome during the reign of the Roman Empire. This guy named Caesar had been the sheriff and he didn't want anyone to forget it. So much so that Roman citizens were required by law to say aloud, Caesar is Lord. And so we got Paul over here writing to the church saying, Hey, I just need you guys to commit treason and you'll be set. The penalty for that treason is death. And in fact, it's almost guaranteed that the Christians who would have received Paul's letter would have known fellow church members that had been killed for doing the very thing that Paul is imploring. Not only that, but Paul then writes in verse 12, he says, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Paul, uh, yeah, uh, excuse me? I've got Roman citizenship, which kind of makes me a big deal, and and now you're saying that even that doesn't matter? Because to be a a Roman citizen at this moment in history meant that you were set. You want to buy a piece of land? Go for it. You want to get married? Knock yourself out. Right to vote? Check. Right to hold political office? As my Minnesotan friends would say, you betcha. Everyone who doesn't have Roman citizen in the entire empire, the borders of which span from England to northern Africa, a a space comparable of Florida to Washington State, everybody else, better luck next time. Paul himself leans into his Roman citizenship in Acts 16 as he's being released from prison. Acts 16, uh, verses 37 to 39, they say, But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now, do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison. You want to talk about a get-out-of-jail-free card. So if I'm reading this letter, I'm saying to myself, so let me get this straight. Paul, you want us to say out loud three words that can have us killed. Our privileged status as Roman citizens doesn't actually mean anything anymore. And oh, by the way, if we can survive until tomorrow, you want us to go risk our lives some more, telling everyone, Roman citizen or not, the same three treasonous words to anyone who will listen. It's a bit of a tough sell, right? And yet, the gospel is offered equally to all, and it makes all equal. 
The point here is not to say, see how good you've got it, TCC? The point is that if sharing your faith, if speaking your faith aloud feels intimidating, then you're not alone. It can be easy to maintain, but it is hard to multiply. But the gospel is offered equally to all. Not might be, not hopefully will. The gospel is offered equally to all, and the gospel makes all equal. Paul is telling us that the invitation to say with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord is offered to all of us. And when we do, we are saved from our sin, saved from our guilt, our shame, saved from the socioeconomic and sociopolitical differences that separate us. When we say with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we are acknowledging that no matter who we are, we need help, that we need saving. And when we say with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we are acknowledging that we've tried to help ourselves, that we've tried to save ourselves, and yet we have fallen flat on our faces. We acknowledge that God responded to that need by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to take on human flesh and to pay our own debt of sin with His life on the cross. When we proclaim with our lips and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we are submitting to and sharing in the gift of grace and forgiveness that the God of Christianity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit offers. That gift is offered to me. That gift is offered to you. It is offered to those who are collecting unemployment and to those who can afford not to. It's offered to Republicans, to Democrats, and everybody in between. It is offered to those who speak multiple languages and those who struggle with their first. It's offered to those lost in the sinful excess of addiction and those lost in the sinful self-righteousness of looking down their nose at those who struggle with addiction. The gospel is offered equally to all. When we say with our mouths and believe in our hearts, Jesus is Lord, our sin is also equally washed away. We are equally forgiven and we are equally loved in God's eyes. The gospel makes all equal. And as we uh, wrap up today, um, I wonder, I wonder uh, what it would look like to share that gift of grace, that that gift of forgiveness. Verses 14 to 15 of our passage say, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? I wonder how sharing our faith would transform our community. I wonder how that would transform our church. I wonder 
how the courage and the surrender required to share the gift of the gospel would transform individuals, which would transform marriages and families in turn. I wonder how the reality of our understanding that in the eyes of God, Jews and Gentiles are equal in sin and also equally found forgiven in God's grace, equally forgiven through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. I wonder how that reality would begin to change each and every one of us. Uh, There's a, a group of folks who get together Sunday night to play pickleball. Uh, Plaza Park in Visalia. Mario Flores, he organizes it. Ty Davis and Jake Pitts are frequent attenders. Even Pastor Tim Vink makes a celebrity appearance when he's in town. This past Sunday, uh, Pastor Tim and I, we were partners. I was hopeless, terrible. Pastor Tim is carrying us and we're down to Mario and Frank Ruiz. And I'm really frustrated. I'm an absolutely terrible loser and Tim said to me, he said, Ryan, uh, how do you eat an elephant? I said, how do you eat an elephant? It's like, hey, listen, man, I, I know you can order one of everything at Grand Star Buffet, but I don't really know how legal or ethical it is to actually eat an elephant. And he ignored my comment, as he should have, and he said, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. One bite at a time. I wonder what it would look like if that's how we approached sharing the gospel that is offered equally to us all, the the gospel that makes us all equal. I wonder what it would look like if that's how we approached evangelism, one bite at a time, inch by inch, step by step. I'll end our time together uh, with a hopeful story. My wife Claire and I were at dinner with some folks recently. Kirk Bosma, uh, he was sharing about an employee of his who has had a tough go of things. Guy's bright. He's, he's a fast learner, but he's also battled with depression, battled with thoughts that life might not be worth living. Kirk was sharing how much he's worked with this guy, has done his absolute darndest to make accommodations to care for him. And yet, out of the blue, he quit. No warning, no heads up. Kirk was disappointed, saddened. But he finished sharing his story by saying, but at least I was able to share the gospel with him. Our scripture tells us how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. One bite at a time, step by step, the gospel is offered equally to all and makes all equal. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.